0: This is The Coffee Break, a podcast on the state of business in data networking. We discuss the vendors' moves and news, products and ploys, and then try to do some analysis around products and positioning, and generally take a good hard poke, albeit a little bit light-hearted, at the business of networking, in the time it takes to have a coffee break. We think. I'm Greg Farrow. You'll know me as the uh, writer at etherealmind.com and various other fine establishments around the internet. And with me today is Andrew Conry murray How are you today, sir? I'm good, Greg. How are you? I'm awake. I'm functional. Uh, and I haven't left the house in nearly 14 days. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I did leave the house yesterday to take a walk around the block. I spent 11 minutes walking. Okay,
1: we'll put that on the tally.
0: I won't have a heart attack quite yet. Uh, And we've
1: also got Ethan Banks on the line, and I'm sure people who are familiar with Greg also know Ethan for his fine work on packet pushers as well as his writing on other fine establishments across the internet.
2: That's right, other fine establishments across the internet. I'm popping up everywhere. Mm. Hard to keep away from the content I'm generating and, and so on and so on.
0: And please read it. <laughs> that's on desperate because it, it, it was meant to. Because <laughs> that's where we're beginning to make the money. That's right. So uh, we wanted to have a very fast 30 minutes look and see if we can poke enough news stories out of Cisco Live, which happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Before we do, just apologies for a bit of a break there, but everybody was kind of busy and um, this show isn't meant to be weekly, it's meant to be whenever we get the opportunity. Um, So thank you for coming back and listening. with us. So Cisco Live, uh, the first thing is, uh, Andrew, you wrote a post this week about Cisco's Three Commandments. Take us out on that. Sure, I uh, didn't actually get to go to Cisco Live, but I watched a stream
1: of uh, John Chambers' keynote uh, and just pulled together what I thought were some, um, you know, big themes that he was pulling together. Um, One of the things that jumped out at me in his comments was, uh, obviously, Cisco Live is a place where IT folks can get together to feel good about being IT folks, and Chambers was saying that um, the time has come where business organizations now realize they need to be IT companies first, Um, and I thought that was a little... Going a little too far. Um, I don't know that any CIO could walk in, you know, at a bank could walk into the the board and say we're now an IT company and still hold on to his job.
0: <laughs> it 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 sort of rung hollow, didn't it? It it sort of sounded like he had lots to say, but he didn't. Wasn't work out how to say it. I came away from the keynote going, um, at least he said something different from the last ten years of keynotes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, That was notable. (laughs) It was notable because normally he just talks about productivity, uh, innovation, uh, exciting to be at Cisco, and the next year is going to be an awesome change for everybody. And you've just summed up the last decade of John Chambers' keynotes. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I think that's right. (laughs)
0: Um, But, you know, that's sort of… I guess what a keynote, particularly
1: at a, a, a you know, a, your own event, is supposed to do—it's kind of rally the troops and get everybody excited—and not necessarily say all that much. It's kind of like a political speech during a campaign.
0: Oh yes, no, very much so. Yes, um, Ethan, your thoughts?
2: Well, the keynotes from an engineering perspective, which my background is more the engineer side of things—they're usually exactly that: the political side of what's going on, and you know, to. Hear John get all excited about the things he got excited about doesn't resonate with me, especially because it always seems a little out of touch with reality. You know, Uh, those of us that are uh, in business use technology to support that business. We're not trying to become technology companies. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think his point was, and maybe he just didn't say it, he didn't articulate it well, is that technology is obviously essential to the business, and it's about time that. The corporations you know, recognize just how essential it is. It's not just a bunch of propeller heads in the back doing odd stuff that you have to have a very you know, strong technology vision if you want to be a competitor today.
2: And I think that is a valid point because – and I think that what I am seeing on in the businesses that I've been working with over the last few years is a drive for the IT folks to become – not a cost center that sits in the back and uh, you know is is annoying or odd, but is actually an integral part of the business where the management of IT is talking to the business folks in IT and being part of the decision making process and being part of what it takes to drive the business ahead. And that, it's been a communications problem for a very long time. Yes. Uh, so I think that that perhaps is a is a stronger point that he could have made.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think he could have expressed that in a better way because it's it's clear that technology is essential.
0: Hmm. Uh, um, well, I think a couple so of I things too. As I thought about the point is that they're very self serving, right? So thou shalt move faster. Um, we want to sell more, so if you don't hurry up and start buying more, we're not going to win, right? Yes. Um, thou shalt pick a winner. And of course, it's going to be us, right? <laughs> He's saying, you know, there's going to be a lot of consolidation, and so you better pick Cisco because we're going to be the winner in the consolidation, and that is not certain by any stretch of the imagination.
1: Not at all. But again, this being a political speech, you know, it's sort mm. of up to him to to, to drive that message,
0: and I, I actually think he did a very good job.
1: You know, driving that message, it, uh, I, th- I think he dedicated a, a pretty good portion of his uh, mm. keynote to, um, you know, sort of reviewing all of the bodies that Cisco has left in its wake, um, which, you know, could have an effect on folks. They see, that, that. That, see, that's valid, but
2: I, I struggle with that you know, analogy going forward because it's such a sea change in the industry now. I mean, it's really not about simply moving hardware out the door and can Cisco innovate with the hardware effectively enough and stay out in front and, and continue to have mind share when mostly what they've been doing is making bigger and better of the same thing for a long time now. Now with software-defined networking coming up, the integration of applications with the network becoming a very big theme, it's very unclear where the market is going to land because there's so many valid approaches out there um, evidenced by startups. If you look at the movement in the uh, startup field, venture capital money can't be spent quickly enough to uh, to bring a new startup to market with some clever and interesting and innovative idea, what that's going to do to Cisco to me is um, uh, still very much in the air and I'm not sure that Cisco is going to come out of this still being the 800-pound gorilla five years from now.
0: I would agree. So, you know, Ethan, you and I, and Drew, you've been no doubt talking to the same sort of SDN startups that I have. You know, we've got SDN WAN startups, NFV startups. We've got orchestration and automation players. You've got companies like... Embrain who announced during the Cisco Live show that they've pivoted from trying to orchestrate uh, down lower, orchestrate the network, to moving up to orchestrating network appliances. Um, you know, it doesn't take much. It only takes a few million dollars to get a whole new SDN startup off the ground to attack a particular niche. Look at, um, uh, there was a company that was at Cisco Live called Venomic. And their claim to fame is that they're orchestrating SAP deployments in Cisco ACI. Um, Could you imagine a company which is able to just do uh, orchestration of SAP deployments on somebody else's networking strategy in a very short period of time? I mean, this idea of Cisco being the only company who can produce an ACI is not clear to my mind because I've seen so many other solutions, Metacura, NEC, Open Daylight, you know, just to name a few off the top of my head, these are all viable SDN strategies that all have a place.
2: Now, that said, I can add to that uh, a lot of these third parties or startups are aligning themselves with Cisco. Uh, Embrain that you mentioned a bit ago has really come behind uh, Cisco and and come alongside Cisco, I guess would be a better way to put it, with their virtual application lifestyle or uh, uh, lifecycle management tool which isn't what Embrane exactly was early on. They've kind of pivoted now, and they've parked themselves next to ACI as a way to integrate um, virtual appliance management. Um, Glue Networks is building their SD-WAN solution, and they're aligned 100% with Cisco. They're not even interested, unless you're running a Cisco WAN, to run their software. When I talk to them and ask why, because Cisco's got 80-odd percent of the market that they're trying to play in. Um, and so there's, there is something that can be said for that. Uh, Cisco's current market domination means that a lot of the new technology that's out there, uh, people want to still play in the Cisco world, and so maybe long term that does play in Cisco's favor. We'll see a, a slew of acquisitions, perhaps, with the new technologies that align best with what Cisco is doing with uh, with ACI.
1: Yeah, I think um, the, the advantage that Cisco has is, is time, um, because I, I, I feel like you know. Ethan and Greg, you guys are, you know, impatient for watching the field develop and expand, but um, I think, you know, the, the vast general market is willing to, to go a little bit more slowly and maybe even willing to go at Cisco's pace. I think the market is certainly forcing Cisco to move faster and maybe in directions it doesn't necessarily want to go, but eventually they're going to get there. Uh, and when it comes to startups, there's definitely ways for incumbents to uh, blunt the impact a startup can have, whether acquisition and then kind of stuff it down into the dark um, or partner up. So, you know, Cisco five years from now might not be the 800-pound gorilla, but I think it's safe to say it's still going to be a 500-pound gorilla.
0: No, I I'll go with that one. I just – you know, in the past, it's always been Cisco had to spend $250 million to bring a new switch to market, which sort of prevented a competitor from coming to the into play right sure and now it's broadcom silicon um for everybody but cisco kind of thing and no I'm do that's a gross generalization but you know anybody who wants to make their own switch can go and get some broadcom and make a very competent um certainly not the same as what cisco's producing who still have their own silicon and you know they're doing some genuine innovation in their silicon engines in many of their products um sure but it's not like Cisco can sit over here and say, you know, there's a big moat around their business, which is the $250 million investment to make a chassis that really all their smaller products have. Cisco's – we're now able to do – network technology has changed away from spanning tree, which even needed a chassis, so you can now build scaled-out data centers just using lots and lots of small switches. And that sort of dynamic in the data center fundamentally changes the nature of the business. And now, let me point out with that that the whole of Cisco Live and uh, Howie Zhu, at his website, pointed out there was not a single hardware announcement at Cisco Live of any great note. There was a couple of hardware announcements, but no <laughs> hardware. When was the last time you saw a Cisco Live without a hardware announcement?
1: Sure. You know, sure, I think that's Yeah,
0: and telling. it's not
2: like they haven't had some some new hardware. I mean, the Nexus line's been propped up a bit with new equipment and so on. But, but yeah, nothing, nothing major came out of that, and that is yeah. kind of telling.
0: Yeah. So last year we were there. They announced the a uh, new ASRs. They had the F3. Was the F3 module announced last year? I
2: think so. It was right around that time. I don't yeah, think it had quite 7, shipped yet. 6, so, yeah,
0: 7,000. Um, you know, there was a whole bunch of new Cisco 3800s and 3900s. We had DFA was released as part of that launch. Um, you know, all those sorts of things were in. There's usually always been a hardware announcement that sort of underpins Cisco Live, but there was only software and it was only ACI. So let's shift to talking about the keynote on day two when Sonny Giandami got up and dropped a buck of a FUD uh, on the <laughs> stage floor. And uh, I noticed in my Twitter feed, because I was actually watching this and the slide went up, uh, basically, the slide sort of says, we do all these things that our competitors don't. And uh, a number of people I follow on Twitter went, actually, that's wrong. It's just outright false, the claims that she made on stage. And um, I just wonder if, you know, did that say anything about Cisco With that they're actually resorting to comparing themselves to their competitors?
1: Hmm.
2: It, I believe it is fair to say that uh, the the biggest point of comparison Cisco was making was against VMware's NSX platform in the SDN space and that they perceive a real threat there. And this goes back to it's NSX being a a shipping product. That's been GA for a while. That does a lot of things. It doesn't do everything ACI is going to do when it is actually released. Uh, It doesn't control as many hardware components. Um, but NSX is a solution that works today, provides network virtualization, um, service chaining, a number of other functions, and a and a way to make it e- easily deployable. Uh, in some cases, for folks that aren't network engineers, so you know, VMware has got a real meaningful product that's got some traction and some mindshare and some uh, some big brains behind it. You know, Martin Casado and and other good folks that were uh, were tied up in SDN and have been for a long time are now involved closely with NSX. <laughs> Is that a threat to Cisco? You bet. And it seems like they're feeling the heat. That's that's how the anti-marketing campaign comes across to me.
1: Yeah, I think it's very clear. You don't spend time attacking someone that's not a concern to you. You don't need a bucket of fud if you're not worried about them.
0: The ACI product's a good product. It has. It seems like it's a good strategy. I mean. Cisco's taking their strengths to that product by stretching it out. You know, even if the data center product isn't getting the traction that they want, they're going to be able to extend that into security and WAN technologies and, you know, orchestration of the UCS, which they've already telegraphed that they're going to do. So that ability to produce converged infrastructure, um, you know, or converged network from end to end and even stretch into, you know, orchestrating storage via this Opflex thing, um, that's a good story and it's going to be very compelling to a lot of people. Um, why why do things like why not why highlight your competitor? You don't need to, surely. Well, that that's just the thing about
2: ACI, and as I've I've written a number of pieces that are dealing with ACI or NSX or both, and this is one of the points that I've brought out is if you look at what the ACI vision is, how broad it is, and you look at how they've assembled you know the different modules here, the controller, the APIs, uh, OpFlex to extend to whoever wants to deal with it. Uh, to to deal with ACI that's not in the Cisco house already today, and you think through it and go, okay, it's got to gather momentum internally and get everybody in the Cisco organization behind this thing, but man, if it works like they're saying it's going to work, this thing's going to be awesome, and it's going to be all-encompassing, and Greg, you mentioned UCS a second ago, wow, what a play, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. just network, uh, software-defined networking for you know the the firewalls and the switches. It also can bring in your uh, compute infrastructure as well yep. in, in an integrated whole. I mean, is that a good story? It's an amazing story. You know, they they and NSX doesn't have that story yet. They've got a good story too. Hmm. It just isn't as big of a book to, t- uh, to to tell that story from if you're VMware.
1: There's something about incumbents. Um, particularly publicly owned incumbents, that they they have very thin skins despite the fact that they're large and rich. I I don't know what that is, that that they Mm – instead of accentuating the positive, they they feel compelled to attack.
0: Oh, we saw that this week when – anybody seen Nutanix as very short-lived? I think it lasted about eight hours before it was taken down, and they put out an ambush marketing campaign saying VCE is rubbish and you should switch to Nutanix. (laughs) <laughs> i didn't see that you didn't see that we won't see right? that yeah, <laughs> yeah i guess got... eight hours isn't long enough <laughs> yeah. it was pretty harsh it was it was really brutal um which i'd like to congratulate mec for emc for for pioneering pissy marketing as i call that you know where you get pissy at your competitor because uh they started they did a great job of that where they did uh there was one year they were doing a they sort of saved themselves up for one big announcement and they try to pretend they're really cool and everything. And one year they jumped a motorcycle over some EMC racks um, and thought that was really clever. And another guy, they put half-dressed young men and women into a mini-minor and were congratulating themselves. And another year they put... uh, They paid somebody to go and spray paint um, something outside of the NetApp headquarters and then took photos of it and then showed it at their live (laughs) event. Which... (laughs) I called it NetAppy it's or something. <laughs> Do you remember that? It's
2: it's roughly the equivalent of a, of a political candidate saying, I don't know when my opponent stopped beating his wife, and I'm fairly sure the child molestation charges are completely false. However,
0: yes. Yeah. <laughs> <moving on>. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, the, the weird thing about it is that uh, VC has actually played quite rough with its marketing in the past where it's been attacking IBM and Dell and HP. So for them to be on the wrong end of it doesn't see it. And then to to plead, um, you know, oh, you're playing hard is a bit uh, is a little bit unfair, I think. Is, is that why Nutanix took it down? Because of the MC complaining or, you know? You know, I kind of just looked at the homepage and went, why are you bothering? And then left. I saw half a dozen tweets on the topic and some people making um, comments that, you know, really, we don't need this. And then it went away. So, but I just wanted to point out that, you know, this is a word... <laughs> There's a certain group of people in the industry who think this is a really cool idea, and if it's going to stop, then that's a good thing. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, one other thing, I mean, I, I, is there anything else about Cisco Live that that really stood out for anybody? Uh, I, I think it,
1: you had written a post for Network Computing that I thought was spot on. That this, you know, they've they're um, this, this is a big moment for them. They, they've they've got a vision. Uh, They're trying to carry it forward, and they just sort of have to let people know where they're going and say, don't worry, we're getting there, and we hope you come with us. Um, Mm. So from that perspective, I think it was maybe a more significant Cisco Live than years past. Yeah,
0: that's right.
2: My two cents are that the Cisco Faithful are still the Cisco Faithful. It's an extremely well-attended event, and uh, the folks that are there are there because they are Cisco users. And many of them are diehards. And so uh, whatever market shifts are happening, Cisco's still got a massive audience that, uh, that thinks very highly of them.
0: Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Um, Cisco's risk is that they'll get smaller. Um, but Cisco has a lot of – financially, if you look at Cisco's financial position um, – you know, their share price has gone up on the back of strong marketing messages at Cisco Live. Um, they're paying out dividends, but most of the analysts are saying that the dividends are unsustainable. So if Cisco ACI doesn't come in at like 120% capacity and actually grow the market, then Cisco's financial position appears weak on the face of it. Maybe there's more going on than I know about. Uh, speaking of uh, things changing, Amazon this week announced a plug-in for VMware. Um, where they can actually use the, you can be in vCenter and you can start to create Amazon workloads. Um, it's kind of like just a portal into their own gateway. They use their own APIs from the vCenter console and created a plugin to make it theoretically easier. I kind of don't have much to say about this. And Drew, you, you got any thoughts? Uh, I think it's interesting. I, it
1: can, especially in light of VMware trying to build out its own hybrid cloud, um, play that um, Amazon is saying, you know, think about us too. We can, we can start to play with VMware a little bit more closely. And um, so I I thought from a competitive marketing position, it was pretty interesting.
0: Uh, I'm not convinced. I mean, I've been doing some stuff with um, uh, Amazon recently and trying to configure some stuff. And, my inability to do certain things that I would have expected to be able to do is causing me a fair amount of stress. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that could be because I'm not smart enough to know how Amazon thinks and I need to retrain and work out how Amazon networking works. Um, but it's taken a lot of investment in time and resources to translate what is something straightforward in real life into something that I need to do in Amazon. Um.
2: Uh, I, I can say that Amazon is making an aggressive push into training and localized conference events, trying to get people on board, educated with their product set and what they're doing. I've gotten many different invitations in my email to go to... Uh, I think the closest one to me was New York City uh, to attend an event that they're offering for free. If you're in the area, come in and come talk to us and let us explain, you know, AWS uh, kind of services to you. Um, So there really does seem to be a push on Amazon's part to build out that business even more uh, than they already have. So maybe it's, uh, maybe they're both meeting market demand and creating market demand through that kind of a thing. So I see, you you know, the alliance there is, Making sense? Maybe that's what customers want as they keep pushing into the cloud.
1: I think you know you you don't poke a grizzly unless you're interested in making a real fight out of it. So uh, I I think (laughs) my my guess is Amazon may be you know trying to take this very seriously. That they've you know they've built out a a decent business for themselves as uh, an infrastructure as a service provider and. Now all of the talk is about trying to, you know, move into a real hybrid environment where you can move workloads easily from private to public, and so that there's ton and ton of opportunity for Amazon to grow their business by getting a foothold uh, into the private cloud side.
2: Well, plus, their timing is very good. I mean, there's a lot of talk about this. Folks are looking at not building out data centers and computer rooms anymore and getting stuff out to the cloud. So I mean they're just capitalizing on what is a uh, continuing market trend.
0: Yeah. I guess <laughs> yeah, I'm mean, I guess I'm a bit bitter because using Amazon sort of put me off it again. I tried it about 3 years ago and found it pretty difficult to use and then I gave it up and then this as I said in the last few weeks but um well, I guess it didn't take much to create the plugin, right? Because all they have to do is say, "This is what vCenter does." Map it to this API call. So it, I doubt it cost Amazon, in terms of the big picture of things, much time and effort to write the plugin for VMware. And sure. they've got their money back from the marketing. Surely, just alone. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. yes. All the all the already going around bragging about how clever they are for supporting Amazon. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, whatever it is. Uh, So one last thing. Um, Data Center Knowledge published a post today about Facebook uh, talking more about their open compute switches. The post talks about the fact that they have now going live with their own switch and software. So the switches are made especially for them, and they run a software image which Facebook developed itself. And I mean not just the operating system, but also the kernel module was developed in cooperation with Broadcom and uh, it's going to go into full production. They're using a version of BGP SDN. so for those of you who don't know what that is, there's a bunch of Packet Pushers podcasts uh, that you need to be looking at, specifically uh, Show 113, and there's another show we did with Peter Lapukov in Show 164 where we talk about um, the way he designed a BGP infrastructure for Microsoft's data center. It looks like Facebook's using something similar, and what that means is BGP is the default path selection process, And then they have an SDN controller that picks up flows and re-diverts them on different paths if they want to apply different quality of servers or a different flow capability. Um, And that's fundamentally how it works. I think the important thing about this is to understand that uh, Facebook is really serious about doing its own thing. And it shows that um, there's a recurring theme out there that controllers don't scale or controllers don't work or controllers don't whatever. And Facebook says very clearly in this post, We are using controllers. They're important. So if Facebook can run it in their entire data center, guess what? Controllers can scale. Cool. That's good to know.
2: Yeah. yeah, no argument with that point. I mean, yeah, controllers can scale. It's just a means. Of, you know, currently the technology is how are you going to do it? Are you going to federate a bunch of controllers together? What is the strategy going to be? And I think, I think maybe the questions move from away from can controllers scale, and maybe move more into well, how are we going to scale them exactly? And uh, it's yeah. just just my impression looking at certain of the solutions that are out there, and obviously Facebook has has their own.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, they're, if they're not doing every flow, they're only doing it for an exceptional. So if you say, you know, BGP does the default paths for just about everything, and they're only doing a certain amount of updates, or, you know, if they're only managing 5 or 10% of their flows, well, it's pretty easy to scale, isn't it? And then it's time well, to that, That's exactly and, right.
2: And, uh, yeah, there's a number of companies I've talked to that have made that exact point. Well, yes, we're all OpenFlow uh, based, a company I talked to about their solution uh, just yesterday. Uh, who I can't mention because it's NDA, but they said yes, it's all open flow. But we're not doing microflow management. We're wildcarding a lot of things, and so how does it scale? It scales great. Hmm. You, we we're not if you're not dealing with every single little flow going through your data center, you can do very well, just like you do with uh, route summarization and uh, traditional routing tables.
0: Yeah, it's not an all or nothing. A lot of people think that SDN you're all in or all out, and it's not. There's, you can have both. All right. Well, Drew, I think um, I think my coffee's finished. How about you? Uh, I'm ready to get another cup. Uh, what about you, Mr. Banks? I just finished mine. All right. Well, where can we tell us where we can find you?
2: Uh, I am uh, blogging at ethancbanks.com. Uh, if you're interested in other things I'm writing, go to ethancbanks.com and look for a widget over on the right that links to all the other articles I'm writing. And you can also follow me on Twitter at ecbanks.
0: Well, that's the coffee break. As always, it's still a work in progress, and one day we'll actually take it seriously. Drew, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at informationweek.com slash interop, where I'm blogging.
1: Uh, also, working uh, very hard on getting Interop New York lined up for
0: October, uh, and both of you gentlemen will be there sharing your knowledge, so looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about the WAN session. I'm doing a three-hour tutorial on WAN, the future of the WAN.
1: Yeah, some good stuff in there.
0: Yeah, I'm taking, uh, I'm looking at some of the SDN WAN solutions that are coming down the pipeline to see what they look like and to talk about those. And also to look at some of the um, newer solutions that do dynamic path management that aren't SDN. So there's a whole bunch of new technologies in the WAN uh, that I think are worth thinking about. And I'm going to put all that into a three hour session. And, and uh, so if you can come to Interop New York, please do.
2: Um, oh, I'm so jealous, Greg. You just have a, a session that's full of definitive purpose, and you've nailed it down, and I'm still floating a bit on what I'm going <laughs> to present, but, but I'm leaning towards practical lessons learned and implementing an active-active data center. Uh, having done that work in the past and looking ahead to a new active-active data center project, I think I maybe will go that direction. Mm-hmm. So, But i am just not that, don't have that. This is what I'm going to do, and it's going to be amazing. <laughs>
0: I've been thinking about it. I guess <laughs> I have started researching it. I've got a folder in my DevonThink, although now you've converted me to Evernote, I'm gonna to have to move it over to Evernote. That's, to be that's, right. Yeah. that's
2: right. Get on Talk the train, my friend. On get on the Evernote train.
1: Yeah. Sorry, Drew. That's no, that's fine. I was just making a joke about Evernote. Yeah? But maybe I shouldn't. Wow.
2: Well, Evernote where where good content goes to die? <laughs> it is a side effect of Evernote it's so easy to file things and sort them that I have is. a lot of things in Evernote I've
0: never read that's <laughs> right. well you can find more in the show notes at packetpushes.net on the blog post that accompanies the publishing of this show you can also follow the Packet Pushes on Twitter as at packetpushes and you can find me on my blog at etherealmind.com or on the Twitter as at etherealmind that's the coffee break work in progress and we'll be back again in a week or two or three thanks